0: Um, let's take a look at the situation in the Eastern Cape now. Uh, the Gift of the Givers uh, co-founder, rather, Imtia's, Dr. Imtia Suleiman, joins me on the line now. Dr. Suleiman, good morning and it's a pleasure to have you on The Talking Point today
1: morning, Cathy. Thanks for having me on your
0: show again. Sure, it's a pleasure. Let's talk about what you are finding on the ground and the work that you're doing. You know, last week we had one of our reporters filing and talking about how ambulances were not um, allowed to take people to hospitals, that they parked in the parking lots of hospitals, patients are inside, but they simply can't be taken in because of the space limitations and the fact that it's already so overcrowded is that something that you've seen
1: yes it's it's more than that Kathy you know it's it's we we monitor the situation as it happens and when, when the alarm bells go up when we start getting numerous calls from within different hospitals and people within the same hospital and about four weeks ago those calls started in intensity we've been delivering from much to mostly to the eastern Cape, well to the whole country but we've been focusing on Eastern Cape because we saw the virus starting to climb there and then we asked them, is this in preparation for a second phase? We're just stocking up? We haven't got stock. What's the issue? They said, no, the virus is here already. And so I went for the 12 a two and a half weeks ago. And it was as if it was scripted. Every hospital I went to was the same story. We don't have enough staff. We don't have enough beds. We don't have enough oxygen points. If we have beds, we don't have enough staff to mend those beds. Our nurses, our doctors are tired, they're exhausted. Some have resigned. Many have been quarantined. Many have been taken ill. The patient count is rising. Walk with me. See here. Look at this casualty. It's full of people. We don't have enough chairs for them to sit. They're sitting on the chairs with 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 requiring oxygen. We need to put stretches here. Yesterday, four died in casualty. The week before, the few days before, the six died in casualty. Many of them are dying here. The numbers are increasing. The rows are getting bigger. Other hospitals calling us saying, hospital is full we've got all the patients in the bnbs but there's no oxygen day what must we do we need ppes we requisition we don't get we are afraid we are burnt out we are tired then the medical people they asked me is it possible to get the virus a second time i said yes it's very very possible she says because in this ward hospital six of my nurses off now we've got six staff less, and they had the virus just two months ago and they got it back again and it's worse the second time around. And you're seeing the anxiety in, in the medical personnel, that this is exhausting them. And they said, look, we need whatever help we can get. They need staff and everything as I mentioned to you. We need more oxygen machines, we need more beds, and a whole range of things. But it's real, real stress.
0: Dr. Suleiman, you, you know, what surprises me is the fact that at the height of the first peak of covid-19 the healthcare system and its ability to respond to uh, this virus and pandemic was already an issue in the in the eastern cape the fact that we seem to be back there does it mean that there was really not enough work done in order to bolster systems there, that it seems to be crumbling, you know, in almost the same way.
1: It's exactly that, Cathy. It's exactly that. Nothing has changed. You know, from the first, look, they were not ready for the first wave. It's clear. Because the announcement for the lockdown was, we're locking down the country totally because we're going to prepare the hospitals, we're going to prepare the medical facilities for, for the virus. But the biggest need was staff, because we had a staff shortage even before COVID-19 came, and the staff were already exhausted, but no staff came. They were told, we're gonna stock you up with PPEs, and you know the PPE saga, what has happened. Huge amounts of PPEs, money spent on PPEs, but nothing delivered. And we've delivered to 200 hospitals countrywide, and you know, Eastern Cape, has 40 hospitals. And every one we went to, we don't have PPEs, we don't have pulse oximeters, we don't have this, we don't have that. And the reality in that is, when you see, when you go to the hospitals, you suddenly see the CEO, the nursing manager, the head of the hospital, depart- of the medical department, come out and start dancing outside. For simple things that you give them. And you wondering why are you guys dancing? Don't you have the stuff? No, we've been waiting for months. Nobody has come. Nobody has sent us any stuff. So many of our staff got sick. So many died, family members have died, we don't know what to do. So it's that kind of stuff. And that same thing just continued. Look, there are some beautiful hospitals in Eastern Cape. And we went, to, we went but again, issue of staffing, if somebody gets sick, if you lose one person in a, in a rotation, you've got a serious problem. And if somebody passes on, there's no chance of getting a replacement, that, was that person is not coming back. So you have some fantastic hospitals, but a lot of the outlying hospitals have forgotten. And even the media have been focusing a lot on the, on the, uh, the, the central hospitals, but a lot of the outlying hospitals have been forgotten. And this time around, when we went to the outlying hospitals, they're full. You know, and I asked, the, I asked the nursing managers and CEOs, how's your COVID beds? Mm. Are they full? The hospital is full. Is the hospital COVID beds full? What are you talking about? We can't give you numbers. We're not allowed to tell your numbers. Mm. The whole hospital is full. I said, do you mean the whole hospital is full of COVID 19? Yes, the whole hospital is full of COVID 19.
0: One of the difficulties has always been that we don't really know what is happening across in terms of um, the COVID-19 wards, due to the restricted access that there has been. And this was an issue even with, you know, the, the first phase of, of COVID-19. Is that changing? Because what one hears from patients who are receiving treatment versus what um, would generally be shown are seem to be, you know, very stark differences between the two.
1: No, it's changed. It's, I don't think it ever was the intention of the medical personnel to keep things quiet. They just had to follow instructions. That's the impression I get. And now going back again, now in the last two, three to four weeks, they're just speaking out openly. They're saying, you know what, you are the voice of the medical people. Thank you for exposing everything that you say. Know, it's not about it, but it's about talking about everything that's happening. You know, we are really in need. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for talking about us. We, you know, we were scared. We couldn't mention it. We couldn't say it before. But we can't keep quiet anymore because it's affecting the patients and it's affecting our mental health and it's affecting our families at home. We've lost colleagues. We've seen them in front of our eyes, what has happened. And this disease is causing a lot of anxiety among healthcare workers. And we're seeing, you know, the members of the family of colleagues passing on and it's very, very worrying for us. And then we are left with more, I'll give you the message of one CEO, not related to people passing on, but in terms of staff shortage. He says, the situation is very dire and desperate. Thank you so much for the support you have given us. Corona has hit hard in my hospital. I am alone for the past two weeks. All managers constituting management are infected and some are in ICU in Queenstown. I am right now nursing manager, CEO, general administration manager, information officer, data capturer, clerk, and what have you. In a case of COVID-19, how can one guy do all that?
0: You know... Right now, the minister has been to the Eastern Cape countless times and um, one would assume that there's work being done to try and resolve the situation. That doesn't necessarily seem to be happening at the rate that you would need it to happen. What is it that ordinary South Africans can do to support the work that you've been doing?
1: Look, South Africans, first of all, they can support. Yeah, I'm focusing on healthcare personnel because, number one, you know, wherever there's events that have huge numbers, you have to shut that down. I'm being blunt and open about it because soon you're not going to have any medical personnel to look after you. The more, yesterday alone, in, in, in the last two, two weeks in Durban alone, 60 medical personnel have been infected. In Eastern Cape, several hospitals, it's adding up to hundreds of people. It means for the next 14 to 16 days, you're out of those medical personnel and excluding those who have passed on. So number one, avoid all crowded events where there's crowds. You've got to stop that altogether. This weekend the calls we're getting of people coming, alcohol-related, uh, you know, in, in, heart uh, infections, trauma. Every single one of them, they said it's COVID positive, and, and the, the medical staff can't handle that. So it's placing a huge unnecessary burden when they should be conserving the energy for COVID-19 patients. And while that is happening, where the alcohol cases are coming in, they're having other cases which they've never seen before. If a person came in for meningitis or came in for some kidney issue or some high blood pressure, completely fine, looks okay. But when they do the swap, they're positive. When you go outside, the crews of 30 or 40 people, they say PUIs, patient and investigation. A patient and indeed investigation is in 99% of the case. In now is going to be COVID-19 because right now we don't have an outbreak of any flu or of any other kind of disease that causes a rise in temperature. The only thing causing a rise in temperature right now is COVID-19. So the support we can get, number one. Take the precaution, don't become a statistic. Wear your mask, Wash your hands, this disease is not a joke. You battle for oxygen, and you can have all the money in the world. If the bed is full, there's nothing you can do, they can't take you in. You need to understand that very, very clearly, I see you, I mean the public. And then they need support for PPEs. We're doing infrastructure changes. We're putting in more oxygen points. Right now, we're putting 18 oxygen points in Mitchell's Plain Hospital, the award that we we, we refurbished at a cost of 10 million to a few months ago. Settlers Hospital will be opening tomorrow, we're increasing the bed capacity to about 30 or 40 beds. We're putting up accommodation starting on tomorrow, additional accommodation in Bishop Hospital for medical personnel who can stay there so they can be on site. we put in 120 beds in that hospital with mattresses and pillows. And there's more beds and more mattresses required somewhere else, more infrastructure required, more oxygen port required, more sanitizers and PPE required, more support in terms of pulse oximeters, non-contact thermometers, all required. And, of course, staff. You know, we're looking at putting 26 paramedics. We're waiting for the MOU to come be signed today in Livingston Hospital. So if we're able, we can put extra staff all at our costs. They need linen for the hospital, for the beds. So any of these things, if the public can support it, financially or in kind, it will go a long way because the medical personnel now feel that they are being really strongly supported by the public. And I must say, since the interview last week, Thursday, we're getting flooded with calls from South Africans all over the country, standing with the healthcare workers and saying, look, we're going to do our bit."
0: That that is so important and really so great to hear, Dr. Suleiman. I'm going to round it off with just one question uh, from one of our listeners regarding uh, a hospital in the Eastern Cape. Hi,
1: uh, SAFM. Could you please ask Dr. um, Suleiman um, about the dynamics of the Reverend Dr. Elizabeth Mamisa Kabulang Querny Field Hospital
0: that was sponsored by uh, Volkswagen Um, and it's a huge building in PE and we just want to know are
1: they assisting do they have enough staff Um, it was a hospital especially built for this COVID-19 pandemic because we knew that the current hospitals in PE was not going to cope so what is the status regarding that some word please thank you Mark Dr. Suleiman they don't have enough staff they don't have enough staff, they've got the beds, they've got the oxygen points. Livingston, that, that field hospital falls under a, a complex of hospitals, Dora and Giza, Nelson and, and Livingston Hospital. Those are the three main hospitals dealing with the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro. The staff are not enough. They have beds, mm-hmm. but they don't have enough staff. And in Livingston Hospital itself, there's a building in the car park, they, they've, they, it's been renovated, as has three floors and they're trying to put the patients there first. They had some Cuban doctors from my last visit running the one in the field hospital, but they said they burnt out, they exhausted, they tired. It's like one guy at some point for 60 patients. You know, so they, and even from the hospitals that were around, oh, I need to tell you this point. But the hospital that we, you know, from the, from, from the training hospitals from the rural areas, which I spoke to you about, some not so rural, some in other towns, when they were going to send patients, we said, don't send any more patients. Even though we have the beds, we don't have the staff to mm-hmm. take the patients. And so what we've done is we are trying now to increase isolation facilities in hospitals outside PE. We look at Melbourne's Hospital. We are talking to the CEO this morning to say increase bed capacity. Olomu Hospital said they'll take 15 more beds. Settlers will take 30, 30 to 40 beds, as I told you. And we're looking at other such hospitals. So then you don't have an issue because you have staff in those hospitals and they can manage those patients in those hospitals. But when you send those patients, five each from each hospital to B, you're going to congest the system. And of course, the same amount of staff and those who are sick and those that pass on, it means a fewer staff are going to look after 50 extra patients coming every day from somewhere else. And whilst the staff in those outlying areas don't have the patients anymore. So we want to decentralize the system and set up isolation. And a lot of CEOs and nursing managers, in spite of their hardship and difficulty, we pay tribute to them. They, they're exhausted. They finish. They say, we'll make a plan. we will take in more patients. We'll see them. We don't know how we're going to do it, but this is our people. We mm-hmm. need to support them. We need to support the healthcare workers by making sure we don't become a statistics and that means taking precautions, staying away from the taverns, staying away from the beaches, staying away from areas with the crowds.
0: Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman, let's leave it there for today. Thank you so much uh, for coming on to the talking point. I think tomorrow we need to pay special focus to the Eastern Cape um, response in terms of the health systems and maybe also get the health department on the show. We certainly can't let that issue go unattended.